As we share together this morning, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series entitled The Church We Want to Be. Do you ever think about that? Do you find yourself considering any vision of what the church ought to be other than what the church already is? If we do not, we do not understand what God wants us to understand about being church. Can you imagine that Pittman Park was formed without the vision of the people who were in that charter stage, not having a greater sense of what God might want it to be here? You and I continue to have the Holy Spirit's coaxing us in the direction of those visions and yet we live in denial too much that that has happened or continues to happen. Robert Snaves wrote a book just a few years back that's entitled Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations, and he has basically five chapters to it. The first is on radical hospitality. The second is on the subject of passionate worship. The third, intentional faith development. The fourth, risk-taking, mission and service. And the final chapter is extravagant generosity. And over the next five weeks, we will be considering these topics one at a time. Today, we are here to consider the matter of radical hospitality. And this morning, I want to share with you, I much enjoyed hearing uh, the Scripture read as, Regina, you do so well, and I appreciate your sharing with us today from the King James Version. I, I get small doses of the King James. Um, I know you live the King James, breathing it in every day, and I look forward to hearing it when you share. And I want to share uh, a passage, the same passage that... Regina has shared with us this morning from another perspective. Now, this is the perspective of Eugene Peterson. Some of you perhaps have a translation that's called The Message. If you don't, you can always find that on one of the great Bible apps, Bible Gateway, I know has it there. Um, Don't download that while I'm preaching, by the way. Stay with me here, and I'll, I'll share just a little bit of this. Uh, but listen, listen to this passage, which has been spoken to us so poetically. Listen to it as a paraphrase, sort of in the vernacular here, of uh, the language that we speak, the world in which we live. Romans 15, 1 to 7. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way Scripture puts it. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal 
counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be acquired, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Isn't that an interesting translation of these words? It's fascinating. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Now, some of you are aware that on Highway 17, the old Savannah Road, that there is a little chapel there that proudly displays the sign out near the road, smallest church in America. Have you ever seen that? It's fascinating to think that somebody would be bragging about being the smallest church in America, as if that were some kind of goal. If you stop there, which I have done, uh, you can go into their chapel, which is designed, I think, 10 foot by 15 foot. You can only fit so many people in that kind of space. I mean, when the church is full, you're talking about six people. I mean, it's an incredibly small, small space. This little church um, was designed by Agnes Harper, who is a local grocer, and I have a feeling that she meant very well by doing it. She was wanting to bring the presence of Christ onto that little corner of the highway, and she thought, well, maybe the best way to do this is just to have little, a little chapel here. She named it Memory Park Christ Chapel, which brings up other matters um, about the church focused on just the memory of what it was before. Now, interestingly enough, that she put the name of Jesus Christ in the deed for the church. I don't know any other churches that have that written into the deed. You and I must make a decision about though what we want the church to be. Do we wish for us to be this active engagement with the Holy Spirit, moving through us and keeping vision alive, or do we wish to be simply a novelty to the world around us? Some of you have been helpful to me. You may remember that a couple of weeks ago, I asked for assistance from the congregation in remembering back about your engagement with Pittman Park United Methodist Church, how you came to be a part of the congregation or memories that you have about the congregation. And my inbox is filling up with some of those stories. I want to continue to beckon you to send those. But I I want to share with you that those were very heartfelt stories. Each one that I have received, very heartfelt stories about people that were not connected with Pittman Park, but have now come to be connected because of the loving arms of this community of fellowship and the loving arms of God wrapped around them and drawing them in close. You and I must not become satisfied with the way that church is. We must see ourselves still as being these persons called to do the work of God in this community and to connect those that are not connected now. Now, George Hunter writes about this specifically. He says that he thinks that most of us in this day and age 
have lost the sense of our calling to be fishers of men. In fact, it's a tragedy, he says. We have unfortunately become distracted by the idea that it's our job to simply tend the aquarium. Let that settle in just a moment. I was in pet store last night, and I was observing, I had not gone there to observe, but in the process of my being there, I was observing a mother who was purchasing aquarium equipment for her daughter. And you know what an aquarium is, don't you? You know an aquarium is simply a hole into which you throw money. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it just seems to disappear. But this, this mother had such good intention, such good intention, and I saw the little fish that she had purchased and this, and all of the intention there was to love her daughter and to share something together with her daughter. And, and yet I thought to myself, there's a greater, there's a greater world. I've been through that Aquarian phase, you know, and there is a greater world out there to share. And I want the church to hear that. I want us to hear that today. This calling to be radically hospitable rather than just tending things as they are. Paul's letter to the church in Rome was all about this because even in the early church, there was this sense of forgetfulness about the outgoing nature of what God was calling them to be and to do. In fact, um, squabbles began to to develop in the midst of, of doing church and being church. Uh, people began to get irritated with each other, which is what happens when you're inwardly focused. You know that, don't you? When you're inwardly focused, you're going to find that other people get on your nerves because they're not exactly like you would have them to be. He starts out this passage by saying, we need to put up with the failings of the weak. We need to put up with the people that are around us. That's, that is sort of stage one to, to what we're called to do. But also, if we are connected with Christ, we really, we really have to work at living in harmony with not only those people that God has already associated with us, but also those people to whom God wishes us to be connected, welcoming one another to God's glory, just as Jesus did it. You do it. That's what the calling is. As Jesus did it, you do it. To invite and welcome and receive and care for those who are strangers so that they may find a spiritual home and discover for themselves the unending richness of life in Christ. What a beautiful concept to be vibrant and to be fruitful and to be growing as God's holy church. And this is the story that has always been passed on through Scripture. Even at the time of Moses, after he had thrown down the first set of Ten Commandments, after he had gone for the second set and come and to be before the people, you remember that one of the instructions that he gave them to remember was that they were strangers themselves at one time. He said to them, he said, you shall love the stranger for you were strangers in Egypt. Now, I don't know if you remember ever having been distant from Pittman Park before, but some of those emails have shown to me that strangers have come here to this church And I'm grateful to say that the stories that I have read have been beautiful stories. 
One in particular I'm thinking about that had such family need at the time that they came. And they said, really, no one knew us here. And yet from the very first time that we set foot in the sanctuary, there was a sense of welcome that surrounded us, so much so that we didn't want or need to go seeking that in some other place because it was so right here. That's interesting to hear that kind of reflection. Don't you want more people to have that kind of feeling? Don't you want to spread the beauty of that kind of connection that even though you may be a stranger in this place, there is some truth to the fact that we're all strangers in this place and God wraps his arms around us to draw us close. It is not about status. It is not about place of those that are already here. Now, I know some of you have your place in this sanctuary. You sit in the same pew, in the same spot on that pew every time you come. But how dare us ever approach somebody else who unknowingly might sit in that space And say to them, oh, you've taken my spot. Would that not be the utmost tragedy? The utmost tragedy. Rather than welcoming and loving them into the very presence of the Lord in this place. You remember that story of James and John's mother that came up to Jesus and said, I'd like to ask you, Uh, something that I know that you're able to provide, really, when you come into your glory, make it so that one of my sons would be on your right and the other would be on the left. And Jesus' response is, you really don't know what you're asking here because the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, right? To serve. It is our place to follow Christ in service to others. And that means to invite everyone. Jesus told the parable of invitations that were sent out to a wedding banquet. When the servants went out, the first set of people that they went to were on the invitation list. And as they asked them to come to the wedding banquet, all of the ones to whom they first went had their excuses. And they seemed like fairly important excuses. But the truth was that they were not giving the right answer. They were not going to come to the wedding banquet. And so when the servants reported back to their master this news, his concern was that the banquet hall be full. And so he said, go out into the main street and invite everyone, everyone, in order that the banquet might be full. Can you imagine our having that kind of concern for the community of Statesboro, not regulating who should be here, who might like being here, but that we just simply give an invitation to everyone to come to the Lord's banquet. We need to widen our welcome. We need to be creatively inclusive 
of people that may seem initially very different from us. You remember that Wesley, um, John Wesley, the founder of our denomination in England, was very pointed in the fact that he went to people that the church had not been reaching. He went to workers in the fields and would stand there with the farmers and the field workers and he would share with them the message of Jesus Christ. He would stand outside of cold mines and wait for them to end their shift so that he could speak to these persons that were covered with smut and the grime of working underground. And he would preach the love of Christ to them. He would stand at the edge of factories and, and preach to those that were coming and going to work there in such menial labor and, and those that were the poor in London, the poorest of the poor. He would seek them out in order to connect and to provide this embrace, this radical hospitality. There are many ways in which we already are shaping ourselves to do the work of this. In fact, as I look at this space, I am still mesmerized. And when I come in here, I just think this has got to be one of the most beautiful sanctuaries ever constructed. It is gorgeous, isn't it? This is a gorgeous, majestic place. And to also celebrate the, the wonderful educational facility that has recently been renovated. I mean, parents want to bring their children just to walk into that space. It is a wonderful expression. But now the building doesn't speak all by itself, does it? We are called to be the messengers of this good news to others. Not the messengers of the building, but the messengers of Christ. That we are called to embrace others, to be radically hospitable. I heard of one church that had to face a difficult circumstance. They had a few young families that had come to connect with their their congregation. And yet these young families had young children and the children were getting fussy in worship. And so somebody brought it up at church council meeting and they were discussing what would they do with these fussy children. And one older member of the church council had the good grace to stand up and said, I'd like to make a proposal. What proposal do you have? I'd like to make the proposal that we buy rocking chairs for the mothers of these young children and put them in the back of the sanctuary. And with that, they voted. And next Sunday, there were three rockers in the back of the church. What a beautifully creative idea. Are we truly being radical in the hospitality that we extend to others? Dick Wills, a well-known United Methodist pastor at a church in Florida, and he led his church in praying for a number of years, a very simple prayer that was transformative for the people in that place. He would pray and ask them to pray with him, Lord, send us the people no one else wants. Lord, send us your treasures that we may treasure them as you would. Isn't that an incredible prayer? And so risky. But it brought such significant change for those that prayed it. Lord, send us the people that no one else wants. Send us your treasures that we may treasure them as you would. 
I love fellowship. I love the fellowship of the church. But I have to admit to you, I love the fellowship of the Waffle House as well. Do you? I, there is something about going into that place and, and saying, hey, how's it going? You know, they're glad that you're there when you hit the door. I've gotten to know the workers in a number of Waffle Houses. And in one particular Waffle House that I remember, Hannah and Crystal and Sunshine and Missy were the waitresses that would rotate through. And I think it was Missy, I think it was Missy that I overheard. She was not speaking to me, but I overheard her one day as her shift was coming to a close. And she looked at the fellow workers there with her behind the counter. And she said to them, she said, I'll miss y'all. Now, she was just going off her shift. She was not leaving the Waffle House for good. She was just going off her shift, but she said to them, I'll miss y'all. You know, you're like family to me. Do you ever think that about Pittman Park? Do you have a sense in how important that kind of fellowship is? You and I, you and I have the opportunity to create that kind of fellowship with our attitude, with our invitation. There's a morning prayer that I share at times in my heart. It was written by William O'Malley, a Catholic priest. It goes like this. God, my friend, this day is yours. I offer you my acceptance of whatever you send. Suffering, joy, toil, or trouble ennobled far beyond my means because it comes through the greatest gift you gave us to offer Jesus Christ, your Son, our Eucharist. I lift up my prayers to you this day for my family and my friends. Help me to discover you today beneath all your surprising disguises. I love that last part. Help me to discover you today beneath all your surprising disguises. It reminds me of another scripture. When did we see thee? Y'all remember that one, don't you? When did we see thee? Because the stranger is not just the stranger for us. When we welcome the stranger, who are we welcoming? Christ himself. Let's be church. Let's learn to be radically hospitable to all those around us. As we come to this table, we come to this place of grace and we share together in the Lord's good gift to us of this holy meal. We'll turn together to page 12 at the front of the hymnal.